Good morning once again from Grace Baptist Church. Delighted to have you join us again. Scripture says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be over all the earth. And we trust that you will realize that and that you will uh, think about that during the course of this day as uh, God directs your paths. We uh, are grateful once again to open the Scriptures. By now you know that we are uh, deep in our study in the book of Hebrews. We worked our way to chapter 4 here today, and our text is really chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Now again, please be reminded, this is a section of Scripture that actually began in the middle of chapter 3, more specifically, verse 7 of chapter 3, and goes through chapter 4, verse, verse, verse 13. And so, uh, this is where we're at. So, we're halfway through where we're at. We've had a couple of different messages from this, and if you remember what we looked at before, we, we, we talked about that we've entitled this Today, because that's where the scripture from Psalm 95, that's the scripture emphasis, which the writer is using. And we talked about the, the, the witness, we talked about the people of, of Israel who came out of Egypt with Moses, how they failed to enter into the promised land. That was our witness to the call of today and our response to God. Then we talked about the warning, beginning in verse 12. Uh, Take heed, brethren. And so there was a warning given to us that we fail to enter into the rest. And then the last verse of chapter 3 was kind of a wrap-up for us. And uh, summation, they did not enter in because of unbelief. Now when we get to chapter 4, and I'm going to read down and through here, because this is a section of Scripture, again, you really have to, to put your thinking cap on a little bit. This is not just necessarily casual reading. The whole book of Hebrews is somewhat like that. Uh, it, it, it's detailed. It, it takes a little effort on our, on our part to understand it. But uh, it seems to me that this is one section particularly that you really have to think about and uh, focus upon uh, because it seems to jump all over the place. And really, as I read it, it just doesn't flow that well, but we will make sense of it, and uh, we will put all those pieces together. So uh, the text we're looking at, chapter 4, verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will enter, I must say, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not have afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick 
and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So we trust that the words of our mouth today and the meditation of our heart will be acceptable to our God. He is our Redeemer in every way. And so again, back in chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now, I, I've div divided this section up into, uh, into four therefores. There are four therefores which are listed down here in, in the text. And because of the length of the text and, and the, the amount of things I would like to say, I'm going to add a fifth therefore, because there are four therefores. Uh, therefore, we're probably not going to make it all the way through here in one sitting, and we'll have to divide it up and come at it a, another time. But this is what we're looking at. So it says there in verse 1, therefore fear. And in verse 6, uh, we're told, therefore believe. In verse 9, therefore rest. And then in verse 11, therefore labor. So it's kind of interesting when we're talking about resting, but yet we're using words like fear. That doesn't seem to go along with rest any. Where we're using words like believe, okay, I, I, maybe a little rest there, but then the word labor. But if you have fear and labor on either end of this and the idea of resting, sometimes it just doesn't seem to make much sense to us. So hopefully, uh, God helping us, we'll, uh, we'll get our way through this. And, and at the end of verse 13, we'll understand exactly what the writer wanted us to understand. Verse, verses 1 through 5, therefore fear. Plenty of fear going around today. Uh, a lot of concern. Uh, a lot of people very, very nervous about what's taking place. Uh, the fear of the virus. The fear of, 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 of opening up our, our, our country again. Our, uh, our economy again. Uh, everybody's fearful of, a, of another uprising. One thing or another. It seems to be just a total fear of death. Folks, we have to understand people die. Uh, and people die in car accidents. They, they die of all kinds of things. It's interesting as well that the number of people who have died through this whole process, the complicating issues which they've had of diabetes, uh, uh, heart issues, obesity. You know, those are the things which people have identified as complicating issues that allowed people to be a little more susceptible to this virus from others, and some of those are their own fault. We're going to look at the people of Israel. They did not enter in because of their unbelief. It was their own fault. And for some regards, when we're looking at this virus, uh, it, the people brought it upon themselves because they failed to take care of themselves. That They could practice better dietary uh, habits, which could have possibly prevented, um, or could have participated a little more in at least a little walking, a little activity, which uh, would strengthen things. Now, again, I understand there's exceptions to everything, and so don't send in your cards and letters accusing me of being hard-hearted in every way. But, but that's the reality of life, folks. Uh, people die. We have to understand that. It's going to happen to me someday. It's going to happen to you someday if the Lord doesn't come. And so we're imploring you for your own health, 
Uh, we don't need to be fearful of that which is taking place around us. Uh, mentally, spiritually, we could be very much at rest within our own hearts because we do know there's a God who's in control, a God who's sovereign over all of these things. So there's a lot of fear going around, and we need to make sure that we are not caught up in that perfect love casts out fear. God has that perfect love for us. We ought to have that love for him as well. One of the best memes I've seen regarding this whole thing, the world is like Pharaoh. He fears the plagues, but not God. And even though there was, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, there was a sudden rise in the, the purchase of Bibles. Uh, there's a lot of people who are fearing the plague more than they fear God himself. Anyway, let's get to the text. Verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. First thing I want you to know is God keeps his word and punishes unbelief. Therefore, those who profess faith in the Son ought to fear God. God keeps his word. He is faithful to his word. The word of God will endure forever. Heaven and earth may pass away. God's word will never pass away. What God has said, what God has promised, indeed will come to pass. Matthew 10, verse 28 tells us, And fear not them that kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That, that's where our, our true fear should be. That, that's where our, 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 our true uh, uh, shaking in the boots should happen. And let's just quickly define fear here for us. And it, it means to be afraid. It, it's, it's, it's the knee-shaking fear which should come upon us. You say, well, I never have that. Well, how many times have a lightning struck close to you and all of a sudden you jumped and, and your heart skipped a beat? How many of you have been through a tornado, possibly a hurricane? Uh, you've experienced some things which scared you, just some natural phenomena here of life. Here we're talking about the, uh, the God who created all of this. Here we're talking about the, the God who has, has put all of these things together and now, more specifically, he's given to us the scriptures. He is faithful to this in every way, so therefore we should be fearful regarding our response to God. It's more than just reverential awe, folks. It's more than just a, uh, the highest respect we can give to someone. Now, indeed, that's part of it. Now, I don't want to minimize that in every way, but it seems to me the day and age in which we live, there should be just a whole dread fear of God. But on the other side of that, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. That's where we're at. Why? Because we took God at his word. We're, 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 we're uh, believing in that what he, what he said, what the, the invitation that Jesus has said, just come unto me and I will provide rest. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now again, this rest goes back to Psalm 95. That was the quote in chapter 3. That was the text he went back, through, back to in chapter 3, specifically 
Well, beginning in verse 7 and, and coming down and through there. But you think about verse 11. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. So, the, so the, there's no rest there. Uh, Hebrew or uh, Matthew 11, as we talked about, uh, come unto me and you shall find rest. Related words, not the same word, related word. One means more of just to lie down, repose. The other one has more to do with an intermission, an interruption in the work process. But in this, this verse here, he's concentrating on the danger which threatens some of these readers to whom he was writing to. So in 3.11, he says, so I swear in my wrath. And I looked at that and said, really? God had to go to that extent uh, in order to uh, uh, tell these people? Uh, isn't that kind of hard and kind of heavy-handed uh, along the way? Uh, why do I say that? Because we're looking at it from the standpoint, couldn't he just say, well, yeah, you blew it, you lose, you don't, you don't enter in. Did he really have to go to that extent? I mean, what sins did they commit? It wasn't the, the biggies that we think about. He was the, the murmuring and the, and the grumbling and disputing among themselves and disputing before God. I mean, they just chose not to believe. You know what the problem is? When I react that way, when I look at it, I say, man, that's, that's pretty tough. The problem is not what God says. The problem is my attitude towards sin. The problem is my own heart. That I'm not properly identifying sin for what it truly is. And that uh, I minimize God's displeasure with my own disobedience. And so I, I try to minimize it here as best I can. No, God swore in his wrath they shall not enter in because of their unbelief. God wants us to have rest. He says there again in verse 1, that any of us miss out on entering into rest. For us as believers, that's, uh, that, that's God's peace. That's the confidence of our salvation. Uh, that's our reliance upon His strength. That's part of our assurance of a future home. That's where our rest is. Come unto me, all ye that labor, I will give you rest. And because of the, the wording here, again, it's a call for us to examine our own heart. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Examine yourself to see if you be in the faith. And it also calls upon us to press for a commitment on the part of other people. You know, when Jude is talking about ministering to other people, he says, oh, some have compassion, Jude 22. Then on verse 23, he says, on others, you, you, you pull them out of the fire. I mean, you're dragging them. You're really working with them in order for them to come to Jesus. Verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So again, you have the word for. That's an explanation of what he's been talking about here. There's a, here's the parallel between his readers and, and the Hebrews in, in the wilderness. He says, both groups had the good news preached to them. They're the people of Israel, that they had the message of deliverance from, the, from their slavery, a deliverance from bondage. And coming out of the land of Egypt, they had the, the, the news, good news preached to them of a, of a promised land. These Hebrews, 
the readers of this, they had the good news preached to them. Even chapter 1 talks about it was given to them by God's Son. Not just to a prophet, but God has now spoken in His Son. But verse 2 is very clear. Just hearing the message with their own ears does not necessarily do them any good. Uh, that message must, must be united with faith. I, I have to believe in. I have to be fully persuaded in the message that's been given to me. And when I do that, my life changes. I act on that. Something I want to add to this as we're working our way and, and talking about this whole thing about believing. And this is more for the benefit of, of those who may stumble onto this video versus our own church family. We've heard this on a regular occasion. Folks, when you invite Jesus into your life, it's not like adding a room onto your house. You know, this is my Jesus room. This is where uh, uh, I'm comfortable having Jesus. He has a, he has a place, but, but it's over here. It's a room which I freely go to maybe once a day, maybe even twice a day. But it also may wind up being once or twice a week or maybe even every other week because I didn't need anything from him. That's for, for many people, that's where Jesus is. But when, when Jesus comes into a person's life, if I'm really going to believe the message of, of repent and, and, and a, a total turning around, if I truly understand the significance of sin, as I talked about earlier, I'm willing to tear down the structure of my life and I bring Jesus in and we build from the foundation, Him being the foundation, and then He permeates every aspect of my house. He, he's freely welcome in every room of my house. He's freely welcome to give direction for every room of that house. That that's what I understand salvation to be. That's what I understand my belief system to uh, and how it should operate. I, I totally tear down everything else that I had. I repent of that. And I now am truly turning to God and everything is about Him now. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. So if you're one of those who just kind of added a room onto your, your existing life, and okay, this is my Jesus room, and he's not permeating every aspect of your life, I encourage you to repent of your unbelief. You say, oh, no, I believe. I made a profession of faith. I prayed. It's not what I asked. Well, I'm looking at Jesus in your life right now. I'm looking at where is he at right now in your life? Does he really control things? Does he really run things? Now again, all of us can have periods of unbelief because we're not perfect. We all struggle with different things and, 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 and different commands given to us in the Scripture. But oh folks, this message here, this gospel was preached to them, but... It was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. It did them no good. Now, we're going to learn a lot about faith later on in this study when we get to chapter 10, chapter 11. In fact, they went into chapter 12 as well. Verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into his rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And so if they, they, they enter into here, is, is what he's talking it, it, It's a, a process in which he's referring to, to those who have believed. 
after having believed, I enter into this process. Now, it's interesting, the text in chapter 3, verse 11, and here in chapter 4, uh, verse 3, it's the same quote from Psalm 95, and it's worded exactly the same, although the word, the, the translation here in verse 3 includes the word if as part of it. But, but it, it's exactly the same. Israel was kept from entering into the divine rest, which had been available ever since God himself had rested from his work of creation. They had the opportunity. They were kept. Why? Because of their unbelief. They brought judgment upon themselves that way. So the readers of this letter are also confounded or confronted with the, with the, the difficulties of the, of the day in which they are living. And, and their difficulties also would tend to overshadow God's fulfillment of every promise that he has. Again, verse 4. four. So he's, he's still clarifying here. That therefore, based on what he said back at the end of chapter 3, you have to have faith mixed with the promises of God. So you have therefore, and so all of these explanatory verses now, again verse 4, 4, clarifying the previous sentence, going back to the Genesis account. See, most people had not recognized the implications of God's rest other than in regard to the relationship with Israel resting on the Sabbath day. Six days God worked, the seventh day he rested. The seventh day became the Sabbath. The seventh day became that which was important for the people of Israel. And so God worked six days and he rested the seventh day. Still a pattern, I think, which we could use. Work six days, rest one day. We just work, we just celebrate on the, the first day of the week now. We celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're still admonished in Scripture to, to work and even work six days. And so here is as he's tying the Sabbath in, it's, it's, we look at the Sabbath just as a, a day, for, day for Israel, but it's, it's bigger than that here. He's about to tie in the idea of God's resting from the Sabbath day with Psalm 95 and Canaan's conquest, verse 5, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Again, the, God has mentioned four times here of his oath of prohibiting their interests. Chapter 3, verse 11, chapter 3, verse 18, chapter 4, verse 3, and now he's coming again. Again, he said, they shall not enter my rest. It was God's judgment that kept them from entering the promised land. And verse 5 is most interesting, and please take note, if they shall enter into my rest. It's God's rest. It comes from him. It belongs to him. It's God's rest. Let me ask you a question. Are you resting? Are you resting? Are, are, are you struggling in your relationship with God? Are you uh, um, uh, wrestling with the circumstances of this life and, and you fear more a virus than you fear God? You fear more of losing a job than you fear God? You... you uh, have greater fear of these relationships over here than you have a fear of God? Where's your rest? Where's your confidence? Jesus, again, extends the invitation, come unto me, 
you don't come to Grace Baptist Church. You don't go to any church. You don't come to me as a preacher. You don't go to any preacher. Go to the Lord Jesus Christ. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. We want to extend to you the good shepherd. I may be the shepherd of a flock, but there's a good shepherd. The chief shepherd, Scripture says. We invite you to come to him. And if you need to tear down the structure of your house to make Jesus the foundation of it, oh, how we encourage you to do so today. If you need to talk to someone, give us a call. We'll be glad to talk to you. You know, still practice our social distancing, whatever's necessary, but oh, we'll talk. We'll talk. This is far too important because death is too real. It's all around us. So may God's richest blessing be upon you. Thank you for following through. We only got through one, therefore. We'll pick up rather therefores as we get back to it next, next time, Lord willing. In the meantime, we trust God's richest blessing upon you. We love you and we care for you. And we are praying for each one. May God richly bless. Our Lord and our God, we are grateful once again to open the Word of God, to receive the instruction from, from here. We thank you, Lord, that your word is living, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's very active in our lives. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would expose our hearts today to unbelief. You would expose our hearts to our struggles, which are totally unnecessary. We have these struggles because we don't believe you. We just don't have the faith that we should. Now, Lord, all of us can struggle in that. But, oh, Lord, I'm praying that you might uh, come alongside each person here now who's even watching this video. They're gracious people. They're loving people. Lord, we want each one to trust you in the level that you would have them to. Lord, there's plenty of difficult days out there, plenty of discouraging news, plenty of things to defeat us if we allow them. And so we come back to the Scriptures. We come back to the reality. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Indeed, let your glory be over all the earth. The Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I can rest. He still has the green pastures. still has the, the quiet waters. He allows me a place to lie down. And so to each of our members of our church family, to any others who would be watching this video, I would pray, O oh God, for your rest, for your best, for Jesus' sake, and amen.